Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be reading in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him the same promise. For he looked for a city with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and a him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So praise God for his word. We're going to be talking about today, Sarah, the mother of promise. Much can be said about mothers, and of course on Mother's Day, uh, but I think there's something telling of having a godly mother. I'm thankful for my mom in particular. Uh, ever since I can remember, uh, my mom has been a, a godly lady who has strived uh, above all else just to give time, uh, spend time with the Lord. Every morning she gets up early. She grew up as a farm girl on the Canadian border. Uh, they had a dairy farm about 100 100 head of Holstein that were up there and very, very busy. Uh, that's where she grew up. And uh, and so, but anyways, she got up early crack of dawn, you know, or before that. If you, those who are farmers or understand that, before the crack of dawn. And uh, as she went to work and all that, but she would always spend time, even in her younger years, with the Lord. Uh, even to this day, she gets up early, goes to work and all that, but you could always find, she always leaves um, her Bible and maybe a little devotion book like Our Daily Bread, something like that. She always leaves it there on the kitchen table where she has spent her, ate her breakfast and spent a little time with the Lord. She has daily and consistently done that as long as I can remember. And I praise God for the godly influence that my mother has been in my life. And I pray that hopefully you, if not your, your physical mother, maybe a mother mentor, a godly lady has been influential in your life as well. If nothing else, I pray that each of our ladies here would strive to be that godly example and to follow the Lord. But as we think about motherhood today, I was kind of thinking how, uh, what direction to go, and the Lord just laid upon my heart. Last week we talked about Abraham and the blessing that God gave to Abraham. He'd be the father of many nations, and sometimes we overlook, well, for him to be a father of many nations implies that there has to be a mother as well. And so uh, sometimes I think Sarah gets a little bit overlooked uh, in regards to that. And so in studying her life, she's a very intriguing figure to me, at least. Maybe it's just you if you've studied Sarah's life. But I think it's interesting. What could you define Sarah as Sarah as being? Sarah is what I would consider the mother of promise. So kind of in setting the stage for this story, many of us know that. I invite you to turn your Bibles over back to the book of Genesis. It will be in Genesis chapter 12 and then a few other uh, spots that way. By the way, if you do not have a Bible, there's some in the in the pew racks there. Please help yourself to that. In uh, Genesis chapter 12, we read of the calling of Abraham, and that even before that, in Genesis chapter 11, we read of Sarah. Uh, we are introduced to Sarah as the wife of of Abram, and so we're going to be talking about that here in just a moment, a little bit more. But one thing is interesting to note here. Look with me in Genesis 11 and verse uh, 29. Let's look there. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. And the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. 
And the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, the father of Ischah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. So it's interesting. Here is setting the stage up for something really dramatic, a dramatic part of the story. God is calling Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and it says in verse 2, it says, I will make of thee a great nation, a great family. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. And we know that through Abraham, God blessed him abundantly. Uh, he would be the father of many nations, but through them and through Abraham, we have the verse here on the, on the banner. I will bless them that bless thee. Yeah, but through Abraham, all nations and all families of the world will be blessed. We have been blessed from the Jewish people, the seed of Abraham, in two great ways. Through them, we get the word of God and also the God of the word, the Messiah, Jesus. For that, we should be eternally grateful for that. But understand this, that the plan of God was not so easy in human eyes. So, you may remember a little rhyme we heard as children. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes what? Baby in a baby carriage. All right? Right, Drew and Jen? All right, we're good. <laughs> All right. So as we think about that, just that little rhyme, that little saying, it just simply shares the natural expectation of couples when starting a family. While motherhood is blessed by the Lord, there are times when expectations for motherhood are put on hold. And we've experienced that in our own life. My wife and I, we had a lot of problems uh, getting pregnant for several years of our marriage growing in. We actually had to seek uh, different doctors and to get advice and uh, some treatment just to go. And now the Lord has blessed us abundantly. That wasn't on our radar initially. We hit a lot of couple bumps in the road. And different mothers, and maybe some that are here, have experienced things like that. And we, we understand we sympathize with that. But in the natural course of life, there's an expectation, at least, when couples are married, that there would be eventually children along the way. Okay? In the Bible, several women were called barren who were waiting for a child that they believe were promised by God. This reminds me uh, recently of some dear friends of ours who are in a different state who they have struggled. They've been married for a few years now, but have struggled also to get pregnant. They have waited many years of marriage, again, to have a child. Well, not too long ago, an opportunity for adoption became available, which they pursued. And uh, they found a, a child, I think it was a girl, that they were uh, uh, looking forward to welcoming in their home and spent some time with that child even. Things were moving along very well. It seemed like God was going to answer the prayer and they were now going to have a child. Well, just recently, this, this is like just before Easter, their hopes and their dreams were dashed. And all of a sudden, the, the mother of that child decided to keep that child after all. I mean, they were literally days away from getting that child into their home. And in that, their dreams were dashed, but their view of God in that was challenged because what seemed to be a promise was shadowed now by a problem. And they are, even currently, are praying that God would fulfill their heart's desire and change the course of this decision. They don't know, maybe, and for what they would believe that God's plan would be for them. They want to bring a child into this world, uh, even by adoption. God bless them for that. I, I thank the Lord for uh, families who are foster parents, as well as those that even go the extra mile in adopting. I praise God. I know several families that do that, and I praise God for, for those who have done that. But in that, as we look at the life of Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were also given the promise of a son. Yet all they did was wait. Wait for 25 years for God to fulfill his word. And their faith grew over these years as they found God to be faithful. 
In this, God blessed this precious couple as Sarah became the mother of promise. So an interesting story when we think about this, a true story of God's working in the life of this precious couple, uh, the patriarch and matriarch of Israel, Abraham and Sarah. What a blessing it is. Every time I read of Abraham and Sarah, my heart is just blessed to seeing God work in their life. Were they perfect people? Were they a perfect couple? No, and we're going to find out very quickly, they really had some struggles, okay? Uh, There was no shalom in the home for a while, okay? (laughs) But we're going to see how God worked in their lives together. So again, Abraham and Sarah were, were promised a son. They were promised that heir. Uh, as we mentioned, Ab- God has been, gave Abraham this blessing. This was an unconditional blessing, by the way, this covenant that God made with him. I'm going to give you a land, verse 1, a land that I'll show thee. Verse 2, I'm going to make of you a great nation, a great family, and then I'm going to give you a great name as well. And even today, the name of Abraham has stood out amongst the world as a hero of many people groups, even the, till this day. And then through that, all families of the earth have been blessed. Therefore, it is our duty to bless the seed of Abraham, to be a, a, a testimony for that, a testimony of love. And that's exactly why we are having the Honor Israel service next week, to do exactly that, to be, to be obedient to God's command. In that, as we see that, turn with me just a few pages over to uh, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And again, God reiterates his promise uh, to Abraham. And again, God promised him a, a son. And Abraham says in Genesis 15, verse 2, Abraham, Lord, I, what they'll give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward is my house, Eliezer of Damascus. So he's thinking, well, maybe the, my servant, because, hey, we don't, I don't have a seed, I don't have a son. Maybe Eliezer was born in my house, could fulfill that. But it says here in verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth from thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and accounted unto him for righteousness. So Abraham and Sarah were promised a, a son, and even that those descendants would be as a multitude as the sand of the sea, as the stars of heaven. They're to be the parents of a great nation. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 2, those that are righteous of Israel should look back to the obedience and the faith of Abraham and Sarah. Isaiah 51, verse 2 says that. And so what is faith? I like what Charles Erdman says this. Faith is a response to the promises of God. God gave a promise. They simply had to live by faith. Well, let's talk about this couple. We know a little bit about Abraham. Let's talk about Sarah. Let's talk about a portrait of Sarah. What's one of the first things we know about Sarah? Number one, that she's barren. We'll get to that in a second. But probably the next greatest thing we know about Sarah is that she was drop-dead gorgeous. Okay? She was beautiful. Okay? Do you remember this? In Genesis chapter 12, God gives his blessing. They get out of the land of Canaan, and all of a sudden, there's a family land. They go to Egypt. They'll go to Egypt. And what does Abraham do? He's fearful. He's fearful that they'll take Sarah. And so he says, just tell them you're my brother. And technically, and you'll get later on in Genesis 20, that was partly true. They were half brother, half sister. It worked differently in those times, folks. Okay. But nonetheless, that was the situation. Because why? It, she was beautiful. She was gorgeous in that. By the way, here's something interesting to note. Abraham, when God called him from Mesopotamia to the land of Canaan, he was about 75 years of age. Sarah was 65, okay? And she was gorgeous. She was beautiful, okay? And, but it's interesting. 
that her beauty was to die for. Because Abraham thought, because she's so beautiful, they're going to kill me and take you. Her beauty was to die for, okay? So he lied about Sarah being his wife. And in that, it's interesting what happened, and you can read the story in, in extent, but in Genesis chapter 12, what happened when Pharaoh took Sarah into his palace, if you want to say? The Egyptians were plagued. Later on, Abraham is meeting with Abimelech, the Philistines, in chapter 20. And uh, again, the same thing. Like, history repeats itself. They're a little bit older at this point, quite a bit older. And again, Abraham covers up. You're my sister, okay? And then what happens? Abimelech takes her into his harem, okay? But God stops it because it's interesting. Sarah, who was barren, in the, in the case of Abimelech, Sarah, caught, her presence caused a curse of barrenness upon the tribe of, of Abimelech, the Philistines. Interesting. But it was her beauty that was captivating. And, and she was probably close to 90 years of age at that point, okay? Pretty stunning when you think about that. But it's interesting, we're talking about her physical beauty, but we're going to talk about more of her inner beauty. But the thing is this, they had a promise of a son. And to what extent Sarah knew that, we don't know, but Abraham definitely knew. And I'm sure along the way, maybe he shared some of that, what God told him with his, with his wife. But again, problems came about. Remember this, that her biological clock was ticking. Man, I'm not getting any younger. I'm 65, 70, and okay, how, how this is going to go, Abraham? And then in Genesis chapter 16, go there, Genesis chapter 16. Remember, while they were in Egypt, back a few chapters ago, they end up getting a mistress named Hagar. Really interesting lady. And so uh, Sarah says this, you know, in verse tw uh, 2, and Sarah said, Sar Sarai, she still has that former name, Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. So it says, the Lord has done this to me. The Lord hasn't given me children. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai. All right, was that a good decision? If you know this story at all, no, it just went from bad to worse. And it seems like this may be a good idea. By the way, something like this was somewhat common in this time. If you could have children, you, would, you could marry or have a concubine, things like that, and have that heir um, and have that inheritance granted. There was some cases like that. But was that God's plan, folks? No, it doesn't. Uh, and, and so it, things were about to fall apart. So Sarah and Hagar, they were having problems in the tent. And the biggest problem was the fact that she was barren. I think you see her desperation, her situation. This is what Sarah saw. She saw her situation as hopeless and full of despair. And in that, she was losing heart. That's what was happening. She was losing heart. Therefore, she says, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do it. Sarah or Abraham. By the way, it's interesting that God hadn't really said who he knew who the father was going to be of this great nation, but God hadn't clearly defined who the mother was going to be of the nation yet. We know who it is, but Sarah is probably saying, hey, you know what? Let's help God out a little bit. Usually when he helped God out, it doesn't go well. Be careful of that, folks. Okay. But in her situation, she seemed hopeless, full of despair. She was losing heart. Here's the, here's the point. Sarah's problem that she had appeared greater than God's promise. That's what was going on. Her problem, in her eyes, was greater than God's promise. In other words, here's the point. Her view of God was small. And folks, that's what it amounts to. When you go through a problem in your life, and whether it means having children, 
uh, or having more than one child, whatever it may be, whatever situation you're in, that is a problem that many people face. We faced that for several years in our own marriage. If that is simply your focus of your problem and is greater than God's promises or God's presence, folks, I challenge you, what is your view of God? Who is really God to you? Do you really know him? Do you really trust his promise? Are you really living by faith? Are you living by faith in the Lord? Are you living by faith in yourself? Are you trusting in your own self? Sarah, she was trusting in herself, her own wisdom. Here's the point. We trust in our own wisdom. We go in a way that doesn't lead very well. Okay, so this is very important. So here's the thing. Going back to the promise, God's covenant with Abraham was unconditional. It was one-sided. Abraham didn't have to do anything. God blessed him in a great way. So here's the point. If Sarah had simply embraced this, God's covenant promise, it would have saved her much heartache and stress if she simply would have trusted. And by the way, remember we talked about last week of the children of Abraham? And we say, remember, Hagar did have a child by Abraham. And who was that? Ishmael. And Ishmael comes the father of the Arab people today. Look at the Middle East today. We had different fightings going on this past week. Over a thousand rockets were fired into Israel last week. Folks, this is not a family feud that happened in 1948 when Israel became a state 75 years ago today. Okay, this is something that has gone back centuries all the way back to Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. This is a family feud going on, folks. The only peace that's going to come in the Middle East is when the Prince of Peace, Jesus, comes. When they understand that, folks. So very important as we see this. But does that negate God's promise? Even though that Sarah and Abraham and Hagar, by the way, they were all guilty. It did, did that change God's plan? Absolutely not. Because now we see the confirmation of the promise. Look with me in Genesis 17. We're going to do kind of a story here. Genesis 17. And look at me in verse 15. I mentioned earlier that when God gave the promise of a great nation, a great family, that it was mentioned that Abraham was going to be the father, but who's going to be the mother? Now, look at what happens. The, the, God goes into deeper detail now in Genesis 17, verse 15. It says here, and God said unto Abraham, his name had been changed now, as for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Her name was changed just as Abraham's was. Verse 16, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. I tell you what, is that pretty specific? Absolutely. God had a direct plan of a blessing, not just to Abraham, but specifically to Sarah, and that Sarah was going to have a child and that she would be also a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be with her. She was going to be uh, uh, the matriarch of Israel. Amazing. So here's the point, though. What happened next? Verse 17. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto a, him that is 100 years old and Sarah that is 90 years old bear? And so then his prayer was, oh, maybe that Ishmael will live. And God confirms it here in verse 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and his seed after him. So here's the thing. Here is God's direct promise to Sarah by name. It's amazing. Before this, she had a trust in God's promise to Abraham. Now she trusted in a promise that was given to her. Her faith before this was simply following Abraham's faith. And now she received a direct blessing. I got to say just one thing here. For a lot of ladies, I want to encourage the ladies here today that 
It's amazing when the man of the house, the husband, leads the house by faith, by godly example, and you can follow his example for that. I encourage the guys to do that. Set the pattern, set the direction of your house by faith, just like Abraham did. Even though Abraham was faulty, even though Abraham messed up, what a blessing it is that a woman can have confidence in her husband, that she can follow his example of faith. I don't know why, that that hits me right between the eyes, folks. (laughs) Step some might be a little bit too. But I tell you what, ladies, you have that faith. And if your husband or if those that are around you, you can't, you just trust in the Lord. You trust in his promise. You just keep going, walk that same direction, and God will bless you for that. As a sign of this promise, as a sign of this this blessing here, her name was changed. Uh, And in, in the Bible, when people had name changes, like Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. Later on, you have Jacob to Israel. Later on in the New Testament, you have uh, Saul to Paul. This marked a new direction. Whenever you see a name change, this marks a new direction and new purpose that God has for them. Abram, his name meant exalted father, and now he becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. Sarai means my princess. Probably like a family term, like, you know, her father calling her my my little princess. Almost like a nickname. That's kind of the idea in Hebrew. But now she's called Sarah, which means simply princess. It's almost like this. So it's like taking off that possessive pronoun. God removed her limitations so she could be the matriarch of many nations. She's not the princess of her father or even of Abraham. She's now the princess representing a great nation. God expanded her focus in in his blessing to her. Pretty amazing when you think about that. Okay. So what was God's sure promise to Sarah? Look with me now in Genesis 18. This is where it gets deep. You're going to find out there's like layers to the story and it gets deeper and deeper, the promises that are given to him. So look with me in Genesis chapter 18, in starting in verse 9. This is when the three angels, we believe one of them is the Lord, comes to the tent of Abraham. They offer hospitality, come, eat, and all that. And then they came to give a blessing. It says here in verse 9, 18 verse 9, And they said unto him, unto Abram, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. i got to stop there for a second and just kind of show you. In, in the culture back then, as it is in the Bedouin culture today, there's somewhat nomadic or semi-nomadic people. A lot of them still live in these goat's hair type tents. And so in the tents, the way it would be structured is there would be one side for the ladies, another side of the tent for the men. Okay, that's how the families were divided up. And so being as any good housewife, she has her ear to the door of the tent. All right, she knows what she's doing. She's listening in. Okay, so this is important. It says here in verse 10, and the angel said, or God says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, and which was behind him. Here's the point. Back in Genesis 17, God gave the promise to Sarah having a son to Abraham personally. Now, this is the first time that Sarah is hearing it personally. Okay? Very important. And it says here in verse 11, Now Abraham and Sarah were very were, were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she physically could not have children anymore. Okay? That's the point. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I waxed old? After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying that I shall surely bear thee a child, which am old? 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return to thee according to the time of season, and Sarah shall have a son. And then Sarah says, she denied, saying, I laugh not. Because why? She was afraid. And he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. So she was caught. <laughs> Put it that way. She was caught listening. That's the point of that. Okay. So what was this about? Sarah responded to this in laughter. Verse 12, Sarah laughed. Remember earlier, Abraham laughed when God told him that news. How in the world? I'm 90 years old. How am I going to have a child? I mean, that's ridiculous. Even this age. Have you heard that today? It's probably on the National Enquirer or TMZ or something like that, folks. <laughs> it's probably not going to be on Fox News. I don't know. But anyways, but this was Sarah's response. Sarah's response to laughter. This laughter was in disbelief, really unbelief. How is that possible? And then God says here in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? I love that verse. Because again, Sarah, to her, her barrenness was a problem and her problem in her sight was bigger than God's promise. Her problem was bigger than God's promise. And now God is saying here, he's directing his attention, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, it's interesting that this word here, hard, in the Hebrew is actually the word nifla. Nifla means literally wonderful. That's what it means. It means wonderful. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord to do? This is talking about one of the attributes of God, his omnipotence, his strength. God is all powerful. Is there anything that God cannot do? It's amazing seeing here God's power is about to be revealed. Here's the thing. Sarah came to a point. Here's the point. Sarah came to a point where it was physically impossible for God's promise to be fulfilled. God brought them literally to the brink of failure to demonstrate that the promise when fulfilled could only come from God alone. This is the point of this passage, folks. Abraham and Sarah, they believed God by faith. Even then, like I said, their problem was bigger than God's promise. Is anything too hard or is anything too wonderful the Lord to perform? No, God would do us some great things. Let me ask this. Have you seen God work great things in your life, in your family's life? I trust to look around. If you said, man, I don't know. Number one, has God saved you by his grace? I pray that you've trusted him. And your life has been changed forever by the cross of Jesus Christ. When you believe that, that makes a big difference. But you see God answering prayer in your life, meeting special needs, giving you a child, getting through some great difficulty. I could go over and over and even our own family, how God has provided in so many different ways. He's watched over us and has blessed us in ways that we could never have imagined. Like I said, for many, you might be on the brink of failure today where you said, man, there's nothing else that can happen. God, this ain't going to work. And Sarah and Abraham, they said, man, this, it's physically impossible for them to have a child at this point. Physically impossible. And God says, is anything too hard? Is anything too wonderful for me to do? God did it. Like I said, the point is this. When God brings you to that point, look for him to work in a, in a way that it can only be evident that it came from God alone. Praise God for that. So here's the point of this. Does God keep his promises? Absolutely. You guys remember last week when Abraham was here? We watched a video of Abraham, and he kept saying over and over in the video, God always keeps his promises. That's the story of Abraham and Isaac, and that's the story of the Bible, folks. And those promises are revealed and fulfilled in Jesus. Praise God for that. So how does God keep his promise? Let's look to the good part of the story now. Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. 
Now we get to the moment we've been waiting for. We've gone through several chapters. And actually 25 years have passed by now. And here we are in Genesis chapter 21. Let's begin reading in verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. God fulfilled his promise. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. By the way, that was a name chosen by God. Isaac's name means what? Laughter. Yitzach. Mitzach in Hebrew means to laugh, okay? So his name means laughter because why? Abraham laughed, Sarah laughed, and then it gets a little better. Watch this. Verse 4, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. Interesting. God made her to laugh. So that all that, all that here will laugh with me. And, and she said, who, have, who would have said unto Abram that Sarah would have given children suck, for I have borne him a son his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast. So it's interesting. They celebrated this. But here's the point. Sarah says this. Okay, going back, Abraham laughed, Genesis 17. Sarah laughed in Genesis 18. And guess what? Now Sarah's saying that everyone who I tell the story to, they're going to laugh with me. So what is this talking about? Like I said, I, laughter, Isaac's name, is a testimony to the faith of Abraham and Sarah. In other words, every time they would hear his name, here's Isaac, here's laughter. Because you wouldn't believe this story unless God did it. Here's the point. I like what... One commentator says the word, the idea here, laughing, would be they, these people will rejoice with me in amazement at the blessing of God, which has come upon me even in my old age. I'll be honest with you. If you heard that, well, in my case, my my parents that they're about ready to have another child, I would probably give a good hearty laugh too. It's just not something that I mean. I don't want a little brother, you know, at my age, but you know, we kind of think that way. It's kind of it's like this. You just laughed with me, folks. I mean, that's kind of how serious it is. But here's the point. The laughter that we've been involved in, this is a testimony that God keeps his promises. He's a testimony of that. For Abraham, when he laughed, that was a laughter of faith. It's like, great. But for Sarah, this is a laughter of former weakness in trust. And now this laughter here in verse 20, or chapter 21 is one of faith and gratitude. The idea here that God has made me to laugh is this. He gave, God gave me both cause to rejoice and a heart to rejoice. It adds comfort to any mercy to have our friends rejoice with us, okay? It's interesting, later on in the New Testament, how does the book of Luke start out? It starts out with another old couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And in their old age, when again it seemed like hopeless that they're going to have a child, God blessed them. And guess what? When that baby was born, People came around them and rejoiced. They saw what God had done. This is amazing. This is why it's so important to live by faith and honor the Lord in that. The idea is that they that hear me to laugh, this is from John Wesley who says this, others will rejoice in this instance of God's power and goodness and be encouraged to trust in him. So here's the thing. Isaac was a testimony of the promises of God, but also the faith of Abraham and Sarah. And when people see that, and when we see that today, and when we see the Jewish people, and bless them that bless thee, we see a testimony of God fulfilling his promise. The fact that the Jewish people are still existing today is a testimony of his promise to Abraham, 
Isaac and to Jacob and his descendants today. This is why we bless them, folks. This is why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is why. So what's the legacy of this mother of promise, Sarah? Sarah, as it says in Romans 9, she was to be the mother of the children of promise, the seed of Abraham. She was the mother also rewarded for her patient faith, as it says in Hebrews 11. We read that earlier. We also see in 1 Peter chapter 3 that she was an example of obedience to her husband. She submitted to Abraham during that time. And we talk about submission. I know sometimes ladies, you know, the idea of submitting, submitting your husband seems like, oh man, that's just an antiquated idea. You know what biblical submission is, ladies? Guys, you need to pay attention. Biblical submission is this. It's learning how to duck so God can hit your husband. Okay? (laughs) There's a lot of truth to that, folks. (laughs) In other words, having your proper role and proper place makes gives shalom in the home. That's the idea. Okay, but let's let's here's another quote from Erdman. It says, Immeasurable blessings have ever come from homes in which husbands and wives have been one in their belief. As you see this, Abraham and Sarah, they were more or less two peas in a pod. They were one couple having that focus. I like this. Someone has said this before that marriage is just not having things in common but it's having a common vision. It's not just having things in common, it's having a common vision. That's what it is. It takes work. Marriage takes work. Parenting takes work, doesn't it? You have sleepless nights. You deal with all kinds of things, but it has to have a common vision. The testimony of of Sarah is this, that yes, she had a, a great outward beauty, but her inner beauty was greater than her outer beauty. She had a meek and quiet spirit, according to 1 Peter chapter 3. That's the legacy that we leave. So in the Old Testament, it's interesting that we really read of her struggles to believe, struggles to do. But at the end, in the New Testament, we see that real side that God sees that she was a woman of faith. This was an exercise of faith. I like what Warren Worsby said. Concerning Sarah's waiting for all these 25 years of this promise to be fulfilled, he says this about trusting God. Worsby says, trusting God's promises not only gives you a blessing in the end, but also a blessing while you are waiting. When you're waiting for God's blessing, you're saying, man, it's been years, God. When are you going to answer that prayer? When's that child going to come? But here's the thing. It's an exercise of faith that gives us strength in the journey. You think of an Olympic athlete, for example. You know, they don't get up you know, in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to go run the 400 meter today. Okay? They don't just get up and do that. They train for years and years and years to get to that point. And guess what? Is there a joy in that? Man, I said, man, can you think of all the achiness, uh, pulled muscles, whatever else that may come with that, injuries? But they would say it's worth it, isn't it? Even so, while we are waiting for God, we are supposed to exercise our faith. And that's what strengthens us in the journey. The testimony of Sarah is that she found God, though, to be faithful. God was faithful. As she trusted him, she became the mother of promise not only to the nation of Israel, but also to the line of Jesus, the Messiah. Mothers, and I'm going to include all men and women in this as well, but mothers especially on this Mother's Day, you can trust in a faithful God. That's who Sarah found. And I want to challenge you this, that your problems will grow smaller as you rest in the promises of God. Let's be like Sarah. She gets overlooked too often. But what a blessing it is to see this great example of faith And I pray that each and every one of us, no matter what part of life we may be, that God would indeed bless us as we simply wait for him. And guess what? There is a reward for those who look to him. Sarah's been rewarded. Can't wait to get to heaven and say, hey, 
What was that like? <laughs> Being 90 years and having a child. What a blessing that was. So praise God for that. Again, on this Mother's Day, we want to give a special blessing on the mothers. May God richly bless you for the women that are here. Live for the Lord. Be an example for others that are here. And for husbands, let's, let's lavish our love and favor upon our wives today. I think that's a blessing. Amen. We do want to give one final challenge too. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Here's the thing. Sarah was faithful in her calling and through her line came for Jesus the Messiah. God's promises are true. Salvation that we have is only through Jesus Christ. There's no other name among, uh, under heaven whereby we must be saved. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can be forgiven. Go to heaven. If you're here today and you have questions about that, I'd be glad to talk to you from the Bible how you can do that. I think it's appropriate. How do we do that? We live by faith. Amen.